0: That's ljsinnercircle.com or find the link in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. So, I have a killer guest on the show today who is going to teach you one simple thing, but powerful thing that you can do to improve your jazz solo lines today. You're not going to want to miss this, but before we do that, let's cue the music. Welcome to the LJS Podcast, where you get weekly jazz tips, interviews, stories, and advice for becoming a better jazz musician. And now, your host, he's a jazz musician, author, and entrepreneur, Brent Bartstra. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Brent. I am the jazz musician behind the website LearnJazzStandards.com, which is a blog, a podcast, and videos all geared towards helping you become a better jazz musician. I am so stoked to be with you today. And one of the really fun things that I get to do on this podcast is have on special guests that can you know teach things from a different perspective, sometimes teach things that you know I can't even teach you and I get to learn at the same time. And I have none other than jazz guitarist and teacher and YouTuber, Jens Larson, on the show today. And he is about to lay it down for you with some incredible great tips. We're gonna be talking about target notes specifically, digging deep into those, what those are, how they can help you create really malicious melodic lines that outline the chord changes. And, you know, hey, if we're being honest, that's kind of one of the big struggles with jazz, right, is we have all these chord changes going by. How do we get those chords those chords to come out in the context of a chord progression, and how do we actually make them sound musical and melodic? And my friends, that is a never-ending journey, but Jens is here to help us out, so I'm really excited. We do talk a little bit about him, what he's all about, uh, some of his general tips and advice, and then we dig into those target tones. Now, Jens is, uh, really has a, br- a big YouTube following um, for jazz guitarists, but not just jazz guitarists, all instruments, and I want you to check out his YouTube channel because he has a lot going on over there that is at youtube.com forward slash jens larson so definitely go there and check that out i'm excited too because me and jens are going to be doing some youtube collaborations coming up in the future doing some videos together and that's going to be a lot of fun uh honored to be able to do those uh with someone like him so be on the lookout for those make sure you're subscribed uh to his channel and mine all right hey enough of me talking let's jump in today's show All right, welcoming on the show today. Super excited to have jazz guitarist and teacher Jens Larson on the show today. Hey, Jens, thanks for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me. It's nice to come on the podcast. I've been listening to a few episodes. and um, Actually, I've been listening for quite some time, so it's really nice to also be in one.
0: Oh, wow. Thanks for listening. Well, I'm especially honored to have you on because you are a fantastic musician. And likewise, I've been checking out your YouTube channel for a while. You have so much incredible stuff going on. And uh you know, uh, I mean, I'm really excited to dive in because my audience is going to get a ton from just talking to you because uh, that's what we do on the show is we just dig into these brilliant minds, these br- brilliant musical minds, and you're one of them. So I would love to start with the question I always start with all the guests, and that is, you know, for those who don't know who you are, what's your one-minute quick Jens Larsen bio?
1: So I'm um, I'm a Danish guitar player, um, and I'm a jazz guitar player. I live in... Holland I work in, in, in the Netherlands um, where I also was educated and um, I guess by now uh, I mean I used to be of course more known for being a jazz guitar player and uh, touring with my band uh, trapping where we made a few albums and toured in Canada and been around some places but mostly uh, now I think I'm famous for for doing YouTube videos because I've been doing that for 2000 since 2014 um, and that's really a lot of fun, just to to get to to make all these videos and explain a lot of things, and uh, uh, also by now really have like some people around the channel and, and and talk to them and answer some of their questions.
0: Yeah, you have a great YouTube channel. Like I said, I've been listening, I've been watching for a while and checking it out. And uh, what's your YouTube channel all about? Like, what what's kind of your focus on that channel?
1: Well, it's it's of course. The reason why I originally started making YouTube videos on jazz guitar, because that's what, what that is about, was that when when I was finished at the conservatory, I was playing a lot of jazz, Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't teaching so much. So I thought, well, it's it's fun to teach Metallica, but it's not the only thing I want to do. And, um, and then I wanted to teach more uh, jazz stuff, and I, I found that YouTube would be one place where I could try and do that. Uh, and actually, once I started doing that, then I also got hired as a jazz teacher at the conservatory in the Hague. So, uh, so the kind of went hand in hand uh, oh, that I got awesome. back into. Yeah, so that was that was a really great opportunity for me. And that's that's what the channel is about. It's really just different things related to jazz. It's not only guitar, um, but of course it is. Mo- it's mostly guitar, but it is not only guitar. I like, although to explain, just keep it simple. You know, music is not complicated. Really, like people who are really good. When I when I transcribe great solos that, that I find mind blowing, they're always simple. You know, I mean they're still mind blowing, but it's not rocket science what's going on. Right. Uh, so we can break it down and we can make it simple for for a lot of people and and still make it like fun and achievable to, to just for people to improve. You know, and that's that's what I sort of try to do with, uh, which is similar to what you guys
0: are doing. Right, absolutely. And, and, you know, yeah, when it comes to jazz, and in other styles of music, too, it, you know, there's obviously the technique of each individual instrument, you know, whether you're a trumpet player, whether you're a guitar player, piano player, bass player, there's different tec- technical abilities you have to have on in your instrument. But Uh, everything just, as far as stylistically, I mean, you can learn from any instrument. And a lot of the solos I've learned or a lot of things that I've studied have often come from, you know, instruments outside of mine. So um, so that's really great. I also want to just dig back a little bit further now. And I just want to ask you, you know, how did you get excited about music in general? Like, where did that start from you? Like, what's the progression there?
1: Um, Well, I mean, how I got excited about music... Actually, how I got into guitar was kind of strange because the, re- the only reason I took guitar lessons was that uh, when I was 12, uh, my best friend couldn't play with me on Thursdays because he had guitar lessons. So I also wanted guitar lessons. That, that's really how I got started. Oh, nice. Um, but, but that kind of... Uh, I mean, once I started to get into it, that was classical lessons. That was the only thing you could get in that small town in Denmark. Uh, and then I kept on going playing classical guitar and I was also really interested in playing with other people uh, so, in high school, I started. I joined the high school band, uh, and finally, I also sort of figured out how to to get a hold of an electric guitar. And um, after high school, I I was studying mathematics. I, I have a degree in mathematics also, and mm-hmm. um, I I studied mathematics. And I was playing jazz guitar. or I was playing electric guitar in cover bands and stuff like that. Uh, and then when I was 22, and I was finishing my bachelor for for mathematics. I found out that I really liked, um, hmm. well, actually Charlie Parker and John Schofield were like the two things that really like, this is, I have no yeah. idea what this is, but I need to know what this is right. and I don't care about anything else.
0: That transformative so, moment. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
1: definitely. And uh, then I um, then I moved to Copenhagen uh, and uh, started going to sort of a preparatory school, for conservatory there. And from there, I, I, I sort of got in touch with people and I heard about this, conservatory in the hague which is known for being sort of a more of a bebop conservatory very very sort of traditional mm. and mainstream jazz and i went to some barry harris master classes down there and and that really uh got i got to know like the teacher down there and i got to know some people and and i really liked the place so um so i went there to study and then now i'm Stay. I'm here with my family.
0: <laughs> nice, and, and and the and uh, the story continues. Uh, so you were talking a little bit earlier just about, you know, what you do on your YouTube channel, and and indeed what we do here uh, with Learn Jazz Standards on our podcast and our blog and all this stuff is we try to make learning jazz and, and music in general fun and and easy, right? Just to understand yeah. that you know it's not, you know, it seems so mysterious. And, and it's not that it, everything is uh, as easy as, you know, steps one, two, three. But, you know, it's not as hard as it seems. And so let's let's try to start, like, de- debunking that a Let's get into your head a little bit on this stuff. What are some of the things that uh, you think that aspiring jazz musicians should be working on? Any instrument, does not matter? What are, would you say, some main tenets of, of things that one should be practicing?
1: Well, I think, actually, I think the, the thing that, that most people get to play and then i see uh, also with students and i'm always on, on the case with my students is they have to learn tunes hmm. you know i mean you're studying jazz guitar and the point of studying jazz guitar is that you want to play jazz music and the jazz music you have to play are the songs right so go learn some songs you know and uh, i think um i heard that recently like uh, peter bernstein said the jazz guitar player great jazz guitar yeah. player said uh um, just learn tunes and let the tunes teach you. Yeah. Right? So, all the stuff that we're checking out in terms of harmony, and scales, improvising, all that stuff, if we have songs that we can play it on, then then we can really learn how to use it. But if it's just going to be stuff that we're practicing, if you're just sitting around practicing your arpeggios or your scales, you're not really going to learn it. You, know? you need to put it to use on some songs and also when you're practicing, sit down and just play some music with it. Try and like maybe really try and get your head into the space where it's like it's as if you're performing it, but you're really just trying to play a piece of music from beginning to end. I think that's that's one of the sort of really important things to to get in there. And I think it's underestimated, to be honest.
0: Right. Absolutely. And and I would also add to that too, you know, obviously if you want to learn the tradition of jazz, you gotta learn those standards because that's where it all comes from, you know, historically and and, and all that. As well on top of that there's so much you can learn about music when you study jazz standards because there's so much harmony happening. And I think that's what really got me excited about it is uh, looking at all these possibilities that was happening here with the harmony. And, and that's an exciting thing. Um, I've argued many times before that, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of music you want to play or maybe you just want to learn a little bit of jazz. You know, if you can dig into some of these standards, it's going to teach you a world about music and what it can do and what it can offer you as a musician in general. And if you want to be a great composer and start composing your own music, this is great stuff to dig into. So 100% agree with you. Well, what else should uh, musicians be working on?
1: Um, well, I mean, so besides having that, I think it's, it's a really good idea to work on. Um, well, actually, the, the main thing that I find, and also the one that's it's getting better but it was when I was in school it was difficult to find good methods of learning how to get a better sense of time um, and, and actually like the one thing that, that, that they could teach was sort of the phrasing aspect of it so that uh, you would learn to, to sort of have a, a decent swing feel and you would learn to, to learn some phrasing which is kind of closely related to timing because you can learn that from transcribing and playing along with records again Checking out another part of the tradition, which is the interpretation of the standards in a way. And then for the rest, I think that, like the, the thing that's tricky to, to learn is, uh, is really just to challenge yourself in terms of really feeling time uh, and, and, um, and working with that and, and finding good ways of, of practicing towards having a strong sense of, of inner time.
0: What are some things that you do to strengthen your time or have done in the past or teach to your students?
1: Uh, so the things that I do a lot is um, I mean, if you have to feel time yourself, then the main thing that you need to work on is that you don't lean on other things. Mm-hmm. so we I mean, we all know like you need to practice with a metronome or right. a backing track, and of course, you need to be able to do that to get anywhere that, that of course. But when you're working with a metronome, um, make sure that it's not easy. Like a backing track is on the easy side of things. it's it's, it's giving too, uh, too much away. If you work on your timing. That's not the thing you want to do. You want to you want to work on something, you want to have something where you have just use the misnomer to check your time. You can't lean on it. If you lean on it, you're going to get lost. Right. That's the thing. So the beginning thing, if you're, if you're just starting out, like you're probably just playing with a metronome on on all four beats or on one and three, and then you quickly need to sort of try and shift that over to two and four, and then you can get sort of varying degrees of crazy with it uh, in, in the sense that you can. Of course, just immediately go to only two, only four, dotted quarter notes, second triplet. And then what I like to do with, with exercises like that is actually um, that I'll try and play bebop themes. Uh, so most of my students will know like how to play, um, what's it called, uh, String and Chaser mm-hmm. with, with the metronome on dotted quarter notes. Stuff like that, like small, using jazz pieces as exercises. So that that's something I would say like that's that's a good place to go with it. And you can actually go with it from, from being okay, I can play straight on like with uh, with the measurement one and three, then try two and four, then try only two, then try the other quarter notes. And then maybe try and slow it down and play with the measurement on the second triplet so that it's never together with you, but you have to hear where it is. Right. All these things but that gets then it gets complicated, I guess. But um yeah, those those kind of exercises are right. Are what what really helps, I think.
0: But the bottom line is, if you're if you're not working with a metronome, you know, get in there, start working with a metronome. If you are working with a metronome, start trying to put that click on different beats. Maybe two and four. Maybe just one one click a a a measure. Maybe just uh, you know one click every two measures, and then can you put it on the end of one? I mean, it gets so complicated and, and that's where, that's where all this stuff gets a lot of fun, right? Um, I yeah. have a quick, I have a quick little, uh, thought that popped in my head while you're talking about this last, a uh, couple weeks ago, I was in the practice room working hard, not on anything I would normally do. I was, uh, an actor friend of mine here in New York said, Hey man, I'm trying to do this audition for the Simon and Garfunkel, uh, play. And you know, they, there's a lot of guitar in it. Do you think you could, you know, record my audition video with me? And you know, like a arrogant idiot, I was like, "Sure, I can do that," but I don't really. You know, the truth is, I don't really do that stuff very much. I realized very quickly that stylistically, I had to work on that quite a bit. Uh, and and I no, yeah. you know at the end of the at the end of it, I mean, yeah, I got it. But what I noticed is the rhythms that I was having to play uh, caused me to rush, and I was hearing that I was recording myself doing it, and I was like, "Whoa, I am." The train is just going, and like I mean, someone's fallen off. So, just the, you know, that's kind of like a real world of example. You know, not necessarily in jazz, but a real world of example of how sometimes practicing with different rhythms or things that you're not even not used to, uh, it can change your time feel. So we always need to be changing it up and and, and tricking ourselves. So yeah, I, I love definitely. that. I love that. Great, great, great tip there on 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 the on the time feel. I. Want to talk to you about something that you know I was watching in one of your older videos, and I think it's a great topic to talk about today, and that is target notes. Uh, can you tell the audience what target notes are and how they can help us uh, play? Yeah,
1: of course. So, target notes, um, the thing for me, maybe I'm just gonna sort of preface that with, with like a, a story of how I got into that because sure, I started playing jazz kind of late, like 22, it's not, not the youngest age to start that by now. And um, the thing is, you you can kind kind of quickly learn to understand what scale, what a goes grows over, what course and stuff. That, that doesn't have to be that complicated. Um, but even if you know that, then it gets really difficult to actually play something that makes any kind of sense on on a, any kind of on, on any progression really. And uh, for me, I was really at that stage, and I was uh, when I moved to Copenhagen, uh, I started having lesson with actually with one of the teachers, at the conservatory there, and. I came to him with rhythm changes because that was the progression that I really like. I could play rhythm changes and I just stay in B flat and then it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> but if I tried to do anything else, it sounded just strange and weird and didn't make any sense. And, and I knew what to play, but I could only think about and the problem is when we're playing to target notes, uh, without target notes, then we're just playing something on each chord. So if we take the rhythm Changes, like the B flat, major seven, G seven, C minus seven, F seven, then, um, then you're going to be thinking about what you're playing on the B-flat, and you're going to be thinking about what you're playing on the G-7. But there's no connection between the two. And what target notes tell you is that if you start practicing so that when, when you're playing on the B-flat major 7, you're already thinking about, I want to hit this note on the G-7. Right. So before you play anything on the B-flat, you're already thinking thinking ahead, really. So, so really just thinking about, this is where I want to go. And that's going to give your lines so much direction that and actually it's also once you start checking out lines like Parker, always direction. They don't they probably didn't put words to it or analyze it, but it is really there. Bach, target notes. Right. You know? Really like the strong points of the bar where the calls are changing, that's where we're gonna hit the clear notes. Right. And if you don't hit the clear notes, then that's actually also on purpose. But you know, then with that, maybe that's another story. But that's really like the thing that so you wanna be able to do that also because when you're starting out and you uh you you need to train your ear to really feel when you're connecting with the harmony Mm. when you're playing that note that's going to tell you now i'm on g7 so it's good to know one what that note is and practice how to play to it because then you can play something and every time you play it you're going to have the feeling okay i'm really connecting with the song here so that's so target notes is really just finding some notes we uh, kind of i would split it up into that like it's a way of getting direction into your lines right so it's a way of, of of constructing and practicing lines, where you can um, can make make your entire solo make sense in that way. And the other thing is that you have to choose strong notes that really tell you where you are in the harmony. Um, so maybe let's see. If I now stick with my so I have B flat major seven, right here, and then the d seven altered or G seven flat minor. Uh,
0: C minor 7 to F7. That's a 1-6-2-5 chord progression, which is basically the A sections of rhythm changes, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so that's what I'm going to focus on here. And um, for the... I'm I'm, I'm starting on the B flat major 7, so there's not going to be so much happening with the target on there. But if we just look at what it would be with the target note for the G7. So one good target note. When we pick a target note, then it's nice to have a note that's really closely related to the chord. So, in this case, I'm picking the third. The third is almost always a good. Yeah, it's target. always a money choice. And, and um, that will go for any chord. The third is a strong choice, pretty much. But in this case, it's also because it's a B. So, it's a, it's a note that's not there on the B-flat. Mm. So, it's really easy to hear. If you're not so used to playing changes, this will really be still be fairly easy to hear, like, okay, I'm hitting the right note. Um, so, so, that's a good target for that reason, also. And anyway, you want to pick target notes that are... Like not in the previous chord, that that's going to make your life easier. And when you're first practicing at least.
0: And, um, and sorry, sorry to interrupt you, Jens. One thought I just had about that is, you know, diatonically, typically a one six two five chord progression is the sixth chord is going to be minor, right? So it's going to be yeah. it's going to be G minor, right? But yeah. when you turn it into a dominant seventh chord, then you get the major third rather than the minor third, and that major third exactly. is B. Whereas if it was, right, so it, it actually, when you when you turn that, they call it a secondary dominant, right, going into the mm-hmm. the two chord. Uh, it's, it's you know, th- that terminology set aside, it adds that extra, that extra, you know, tension in that voice leading, which is exactly what you're talking about while you're saying that is such a great note to pick.
1: Yeah, 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 but it's really just, I mean, we want to have the notes where it's, if, if I play like, just the, the root of the B flat in the third and then I'm going to the G7, then even if I don't play the G, you can still hear that's, that note really sticks out. You know? right. it's, that's easy to hear. And, and you want to pick those notes, especially in the beginning, just just to have some notes where now I can really hear the chords are changing. So th- that's picking the target notes. Um, if we stick with just those two chords for now, and uh, then, then really what I would suggest to do is try and practice coming up with uh, with, with melodies or lines, That take you from that B flat into the B. So really, what I'm doing is I'm going to come up with simple uh, B flat major seven lines like that naturally will take me to that B, like this. Right. Really. And then try and just use that. And when I'm playing like that, then everything I'm playing on the B flat is going towards that G. I'm always thinking ahead, I'm always moving to the next chord, and I'm never gonna try to I'm never stuck behind trying to catch up with the changes. Because that's one of the things that pretty much never works in music is to try and, and you know it from sight reading also or trying to, to to do anything else. If you have to think about what you have to play, why you have to play it, then that's not gonna work. You have to be ahead. Otherwise you're you're gonna be too late. Right. And that that's the the main part of what is going on with this. Uh, so, so really, I think for me, what I did, there were two things I did from from that I got from my teacher that I worked with, and, and one thing was that he would just play a lot of examples, and I would write them out. Mm. So I have like a huge stack of of things that he played. Uh, the other thing w- that I would do was then I would just sit down and compose lines using target notes and getting them into my system, into my ears, uh, and also into my into my fingers, because of course rhythm changes is usually not played at tempo 108. You know, it's more like 300 made right. so you you kind of need to get it a little bit into your fingers also into your system in in more ways but um uh, so in that way that that was really a huge part of, of what i work with and that really helps also because if you think about it when you start getting used to picking the target notes it doesn't really matter what the calls are right so so going from being good at this, actually, and then going into something which is supposed to be much more difficult, like giant steps, there's not that much of a difference.
0: If you if you've practiced going through the target notes, and yeah,
1: if you know what where, what to hit, you know, if you can figure out like what notes to hit on the different course, then then you already have that whole process in your system. So so in that and in that way, and that was actually something that I literally did just experience from from going like in a half year from practicing rhythm changes with with all the dominance into. Gradually, just ending up in giant steps, and and that really opens up a lot for me, at least the, 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 that that uh, process. Um, so so I would say like like try and sit down and find the target notes. Maybe we should just do the target notes for the whole progression.
0: Yeah, let's so, let's that be oh, great. Oh, oh, oh. Let's let's try yeah. going through more.
1: So so um, the B flat major seven. I would say that the strong target notes for uh, for most chords are actually going to be a little low in the chord. Like when we talk about chords, then we usually we want to hear third and seventh, but actually the seventh is not the strongest target note melodically. So um, the third is great. So for B flat, that's a D, and the fifth is also great. That's an F. For the G7, so the, the third again is, is really right. strong. Uh, the D, the third could be the D, and that could work, but we already had that in the B flat but there's another note that's really, really strong here, and that's the flat nine, that's the A-flat. So because we have that all, uh, secondary dominant, then it's a secondary dominant that resolves to a minor chord, so we would use sort of a harmonic minor sound on it. So in this case, on the G7, we use C harmonic minor, or uh, the modal name, which is uh, mixolydian flat nine, flat 13, I think, yeah. So, yeah, so, so yeah, so harmonic theory. minor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, a B and an A-flat, really, that's, that's what we're aiming for. On the C minor 7, well, we can just do the same as we did with the B-flat. So the 3rd is an E-flat, mm-hmm. and the 5th is a G. And then on the F7, we can make that like a flat 9 chord as well, just to have uh, really a different sound than from the C minor. So when we have a few different colors on the chords like this, and, and you're practicing this slow, then it may actually kind of makes it a little bit easier to hear when the chords are changing in the beginning, so that, that can actually be a good, good practice, and that's also where you want to, what you want to be able to do, really, in the end, anyway. So, for that one, I would do the same as for the G7. So I would do the, the third and the flat nine, the
0: G flat. Great, yeah, because that that, ex, that altered extension is really adding more tension that if you resolve that to, well, in the case of the G7, when you were doing a G7 flat nine, that, that secondary dominant resolving to the two chord, that's a really, you know, that tension and, and resolution is... Is kind of what like makes the when you hear Charlie Parker and all these people, you know, blowing these changes. A lot of that is what's happening. You're hearing like this tension and release kind of a thing going on, and so the same thing, right? With the F seven flat nine, it's going to resolve to a major seven, the B flat major seven, but you're still hearing that tension and release going in. So, okay, yeah, great. So that and also, but but also,
1: but also, just because uh, if you're um, on a sort of very basic level, if you if you don't alter it, then you have. Two very closely related chords with the c minus seven and f seven. So for now, right. you want to make it clear that you're playing towards the next chord, then having a chord that sounds a little bit different, like like altering the the dominant here is actually a useful thing absolutely. yeah. and then so so we have those and then really, um, it is about just practicing that slowly uh, through the progression. so um, let's see so. and then trying to sort of hit those different tag notes you know, right I'm, I'm used to flat 13 now perhaps, But um, so, so there are these sort of different ways of just going through them thinking about what note do you want to hit and, and getting that into a system and of course now I play it in time actually in the beginning you probably want to go slower right go, yeah, go by call you know and I really I think okay if I have to hit this note um, on, on the next chord coming from, from this chord, then sit down and come up with three or four um, different versions of it, just to explore what you have available. If you're playing, so of course we're not all guitar players. If you're playing guitar, you do this in one position, you know. Right. Keep it, and and if, in other instruments, probably you want to keep the range uh, limited a bit, so that you have a really good overview of what is going on, and you don't get in, into any sort of technical things, because right now you're just working on on playing well basic strong melodies moving from one chord to the next
0: you know right absolutely and that's the key right just creating those melodies do you mind if we walk through that one more time just for the listeners like going through the, those exact like what exact notes you were cho- choosing as the target notes on each chord yeah, sure. just for reference sake
1: okay so for the so for the, for what notes so the B flat mega seven the fifth mm-hmm. and the third so F and D T7. That's the third, the B and the flat nine, mm-hmm. the A flat. The C minor seven is the third, E flat and the fifth, G. And then for the F seven it's the third, A and the
0: flat nine, G five. Awesome. This is this is great stuff. And I would, I think we, I mean, I can't help but do this. I think we have a great challenge for the week here. Is if you're listening to this, I mean, this is such a it's such a great concept because it's simple and you know practicing it, practicing is kind of like the laboratory. It's a lot different from the gig situation. You can slow it down, you can break it up kind of like what Jens is talking about, and you know, you can take your time picking out what target notes you want for each one of these. So what I want everybody to do, I want you to take a one, six, two, five core progression, you know, pick up your pick your own target notes, and you know, maybe go to the show notes, learn forward slash episode one, two, two, and in the comments. Comment section. Leave a link to a video or uh, a, a sound a SoundCloud recording or something like that to what you came up with with those target notes and write down those target notes too. I think that's a great call to action for uh, for this episode. So yeah, exactly. Is there anything yeah. else you want to add to 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 this uh, just to close this topic up? Um,
1: well, I mean, there is because of course you want to work on. I'm saying sit down and come up with melodies, and and that can be difficult depending on what level you're at what i found there is one resource that and i cannot imagine that you haven't i haven't heard you recommend it before but i'm pretty sure okay. you have uh, and that's um playing there's this book called joe pass guitar style okay i don't know do you know that
0: i actually i know of it but i've I, i've never explored it myself so there you go i'm okay re- this is for I, me i too. got it I've,
1: I've got i've gotten copies copies of it from uh, when when i was just starting i got copies from three different teachers i think actually for from, from that book. And also, recently, I was, I was teaching a Skype lesson to somebody in, in New York. And he was saying, and I told him, like, well, you need to check out that book. That, that's really, if you want to learn some, some good hard Bob and bebop language, yeah. you know, that, that's a nice book to go for. And, um, uh, and he said, wow, oh, yeah, I'm going to do that because last week, Mark Ster- Mike Stern said the same thing.
0: Oh, that's cool. So, well, I so guess that, I am way behind the party. I'm going to be getting onto Amazon right after this uh, this call and uh, ordering <laughs> that book. Uh, s- so say the see, name of the book, book one more time.
1: <clears throat> uh, Joe Pass guitar style. And what you want to do with that is uh, there's... Uh, I actually never did like the first half of it. I never really looked into that because what I got copies of from... like I'm, I mean, I'm so old I got photocopies. Uh, <laughs> <was laughs> the, 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 um, the solo examples that he made... Uh, that are in the back of the book. I think they start like around page 30 or something. But they're just so sort of these continuous eight-note line exercises. And for finding sort of these short four-note melodies that we're kind of working on with this turnaround, they're perfect, you know. They're so strong for that such really, really... I mean, he has so good lines. So it's just really perfect, clear examples of playing basic, strong, simple lines also with a lot of chromaticism and and how to use that and really nail the changes, you know. So definitely a thing to check out.
0: Awesome. So we're going to have that linked up in the show notes as well for you to check that out just so you can get easy access to what he's talking about. Uh, Hey, I'm really excited, Jens. I just want to thank you so much for just unloading all this value on the audience today. Uh, This is such an important lesson and it's it's such an easy thing for everybody to go out and do to literally start making improvement uh, in their in their solos like now which is awesome and so th- thanks so much for just taking the time to do that I am. Really excited because I know that we're going to be doing some YouTube collaborations together, um, which is really exciting. So everybody's going to have to be uh, checking out Jen's YouTube channel and checking out uh, my YouTube channel, the Learn Jazz Standards YouTube channel. Um, we've obviously been doing some more activity with that this year, uh, so check that. Make sure to be checking that out. But Jen's, how can people get involved with you? How can people uh, learn from more from you because you have so much to offer?
1: Well, I mean, I, th- I think that the, the place to go is really, uh, oops, guitar, so, um, I think the place to go is really just the YouTube channel. Uh, I think until now, um, if, if you have any questions on anything of the stuff that I do, because I, I publish a fair amount of videos uh, on a weekly basis, uh, then you can always just leave a comment. I pretty much get back to everybody, at least. I really do try to. So, And I can also just direct you, because there. by now I have a lot of videos on Everything jazz guitar and jazz theory. Uh, so so my YouTube channel is uh, youtube.com uh, slash my name Jens Lassen, which is J-E-N-S-L-A-R-S-E-N.
0: Awesome. Yeah. So, Jens just gave you permission to ask him a question, which is uh, that that's it doesn't get much cooler than that. So, YouTube.com forward slash Jens Larson again. Jens, thanks so much for taking the time to be on, for just sharing your knowledge, and just uh, you know, it can't thank you enough for that. And you know, I've learned a lot today. I know everybody has as well. And uh, hey, look forward to our YouTube collabs, and I also look forward to having you back on this show sometime in the future.
1: Yeah, definitely. Thanks for having me. I mean, I'm really excited also about doing the YouTube collab and seeing, I think we're going to try and see if we can get some audience participation in here and there. And uh, that's going to be fun. So um, yeah, thanks for having me.
0: right that's all for today's show i want to thank you so much for listening and for tuning in really don't uh take it for granted and another big thanks to jens larson for being a guest on the show today uh really enjoyed talking to him super nice guy by the way and make sure you subscribe to his youtube channel at youtube.com forward slash jens larson hey if you want to give back to the show you've been listening for a while you just want to support it but you know in a free way, (laughs) then go to iTunes or your favorite podcast listening service and just leave a rating and a positive review for us. Helps people find the show and know this is a show worth listening to. takes about a minute of your time, so help us out with that. Go to iTunes and uh, leave us a rating and a review. Hey, I'm getting really excited for next week because we're going to be starting a series uh, of shows all about practicing, jazz practicing and, you know, not just any jazz practicing, like how do we practice in such a way that we get results? That we have this goal-oriented practicing where we're practicing the right things and and you know not everything under the sun, like just the things that We can boil down that will actually get us results in in our jazz playing. Like, how do we do that? How how, how do we go from step A to to, to Z? You know, And I'm going to go over that in this next series. And I'm excited to. We're going to be relaunching 30 Days to Better Jazz Playing, my jazz practicing course uh, in August. And so this is leading up to that. We're going to be renaming it 30 Steps to Better Jazz Playing. And we're going to be having some students that have... Completed this course and are in this course, and I'm just excited to have them on as guests as well. So that's all starting next week. I'll see you back then. Thanks for listening to the LJS podcast, brought to you by LearnJazzStandards.com. Subscribe to the series on iTunes, and don't forget to join our jazz community at LearnJazzStandards.com forward slash newsletter.